Today we want to do a couple things. We want to read, we'll be in, in Mark chapter 7. We're going to look at the passage here. And as we look back at what Peter remembered, we're going to look at the life of Jesus and the life of these main characters. And we're going to ask ourselves, what is, as Peter remembered this, what did he want us to know? What do you want us to know? What do you want us to look back on for us to read, for us to understand here today? Okay, let's dig in. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the passage and then we'll talk about some of the stuff, okay? So you can, if you're at home, you can read along with me on the screen, your phone, your Bible, as you munch on your Halloween candy, doesn't matter to me, right? Here we go. Mark chapter seven, starting verse 24. From there, he being Jesus, Jesus was just finishing his ministry in Galilee. He says, he rose and he went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. And now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, well, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, because of this, you may go your way, for the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed, and the demon was gone. And then he returned from this region and went all throughout Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers in his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears, the man, the man's ears were opened. The man's tongue was released and he started to speak. He spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished. The crowd was astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He makes even the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for this time that you've given us, Father. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, and that your spirit is already working in each of our hearts to receive uh, your word today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's think about this story, okay? Let's start with geography, right? We, Jesus has been down here in this area called Galilee. That's where Nazareth is. That's where Capernaum is. Here's the Sea of Galilee where he's done a lot of his miracles. And now he's taking with him his 12 disciples, the apostles, maybe a few others. They're going on a journey. And so they're leaving Galilee, this area where everyone now seems to know who Jesus is. And they take a journey up north to this Gentile, Canaanite, pagan area called Syrophoenicia. This area, those two cities tired up here as Sidon, right? These were two cities, this was Canaanite land. So Old Testament, quick review. The Canaanites lived in this area that we call Israel, right? But God's promise to Abraham was that his many sons would inhabit this land. This was the promised land. And so Joshua, taking over the lead from Moses, led the people into Israel and they began to conquer the land that was rightfully theirs. But yet, this area, this northern region, they failed to take over. And so the Canaanites 
right? The idol worshipers began to continue to live there. Now, this area, also called Lebanon, right? You see in Scripture where it talks about the cedars of Lebanon, right? This was the place. These forests were the trees that built the temple. They had made a, an agreement, right? We will provide all these things for you. And so they gave the wood for the temple and for the house of David. But yet they still never turned to worship the one true God. In fact, the Queen Jezebel, the one who caused havoc for the Jewish people, this is her home country. She brought with her the idol, the Baal worship that infiltrated the house of Israel and ultimately led to their downfall. And so because of that, the Old Testament prophets, many of their, um, their blessings and their curses, many of their curses were directed at Tyre and Sidon saying, you will be destroyed. You are the object of God's wrath. But as Jesus was in this area, so from where he was here, 120 miles, he comes back around on this side of the Sea of Galilee called Decapolis. Now, the Decapolis means the 10 cities. This also is a Gentile pagan area filled with idols and temples that were worshiping various gods of all kinds. In fact, this area of the world then sounds a whole lot like our area now. Look out my window, there's a mosque, there's a Hindu temple. You go into every home, there is some idol worship happening in those homes. 120 mile journey they make. So let's go back into this passage. We're gonna start with Jesus, right? So it mentions in 724, right? Jesus arose and he went away to this region. Now, why was he going there? This is not a Jewish area. And so one of the things we figure is, you know what? Maybe, maybe Jesus is taking disciples with him. Maybe they're gonna go on a pastoral retreat. Have a little getaway, you know? Steve and Brent and Tyler and the rest of the crew. So you know what? You guys are hard work. We need a vacation, right? So they're gonna go up here in this little area. And so they get there and what happens? Boom, crowd comes. They go to the capitalist, a crowd comes, right? But not just any crowd, these are, these, are, these are Gentile people. If you remember the last two weeks, pastors been preaching through Mark just before this, there's the whole passage about what is clean and unclean. Right, oh, I can't eat that, I can't do that, I have to follow this law, I have to wash my hands this way or I'm not clean, the food's dirty. All these Old Testament laws, you know, my beard apparently doesn't qualify as a biblical beard. That's all I got, Steve, I'm sorry. So, you know, but he's talking about this. Well, immediately when Jesus is giving this teaching, the first thing he does, he walks into these areas with his disciples and and they're interacting with these unclean people. What he taught them, now, let's practice this. Let's obey. Let's see if you remember the things that I taught you. And so he encounters both this woman whose daughter has an unclean spirit, this deaf and mute man. We see that Jesus heals them, right? And not with anything special. He just speaks and they're healed, right? He heals them both with a word. Now, this is the fifth time. This is the fifth time already in the book of Mark that Jesus has healed an unclean spirit. You know, for us living in South Asia, uh, the, the stories of people being demon-possessed and healed or people having illnesses that are instantly healed in the name of Jesus, that's everyday stories. Uh, what, ex- what, what surprises me when someone says, hey, I heard the gospel and I believed. I mean, you weren't healed? You weren't, you weren't demon-possessed yesterday? No, I just heard the gospel. That's when we're shocked, right? My friend Roger he works in South Asia. He had hired a guy, uh, like a taxi driver, like an Uber type thing, to take him around all day because he was going and visiting all of his little house fellowships there. 
And so as he's uh, talking to the guys, they're in the car, stuck in traffic, because South Asian traffic's the worst. You think, what was that, um, what's that memorial in Broad or whatever? Not, yeah, Old Fort, whatever. That's nothing, right? That's like child's play compared to what we see, right? Uh, which is why I love driving in America, because you guys have rules and order. Anyway, <laughs> Roger, yeah, sorry. Um, and so the guy says, the, dri- the driver says, you know, I've just had this illness and it won't go away. And so Roger shares the, the story of the gospel. He shares how there is a God, right? And he sent his son Jesus and he can bring healing to you. And he will heal you to show you he is the most high, most powerful God. And the driver says, sure, why not? And so Roger prays. He goes home, taxi driver goes to his house, tells his wife what happened, wakes up the next day, he's healed. Perfectly fine. And his wife is like, what happened? He's like, I don't know, you tell me what happened. She's like, I don't know. And then he remembers, that guy prayed for me. So his wife says, well, call him and tell Roger to come to our house because who is this God that brings healing? Both he and his wife get saved that night. Some Months later, I get to go, and Roger and I, we go to this brother and sister's house, and, and we're having, it's 10 o'clock at night, exhausted, we've been going all day, we're doing discipleship, it's all in the local language, which I barely speak well, and all of a sudden, in the back room, the mother-in-law starts screaming. I'm like, what's going on? They're whispering there, okay, brother. He says, you just wait here, I'll be right back. So me and the two-year-old son are just kind of sitting there, and right there in the next room, a demon had taken over his mother-in-law. And so for the next five minutes, they are holding her down, praying over her, praying in the name of Jesus. I'm just like, you know, I hadn't seen this before. They didn't teach me this in Calvary, you know, seminary, right? And all of a sudden, boom, she goes normal, back to sleep. They come back, sit down. Okay, brother, keep going. Like, that's normal, you know, like, we go back to their house, I am white as a ghost. We walk in the door and Roger's wife, she, they're, they're talking and he tells her what happened and she looks at me and she just laughs. She just laughs, it's okay, brother. That's just what we do, right? This is normal business around the world. The power of Jesus, the same Jesus that created the earth has the same power to bring healing. And as he brings healing, the gospel message comes in and brings salvation. It's normal, it's what Jesus does. Now. Jesus now interacts with three different people across this story, right? First thing we see is this lady. Okay, how do they describe this lady, okay? Did I go too far? No, no, here we go. Right, this woman, she has a daughter with an unclean spirit. And he describes her as a Gentile, a Syrophoenician woman. In fact, in the book of Matthew, it says she's a Canaanite. And so what is Mark doing here, right? He is highlighting for us, this wasn't just some normal woman. Just like in John 4, when he says, no, this woman had four, you know, she'd had four husbands and the man she lived with is not her husband. He's highlighting for us, this is not a Jewish lady. This is a Gentile, unclean Canaanite, the curse of God upon her woman. And she's at the feet of Jesus begging and asking for help. Even the demon itself is called unclean. Remember last week's sermon? Two weeks ago? Unclean, unclean, right? Now, what's gonna happen? She's desperate. She's desperate. You know, I have two girls. They're both right here. You know, if something happened to one of them, and I heard somewhere that there was somebody that could heal that, there's a doctor in some other city, uh, we're leaving tomorrow, right? This is natural. But remember, she's coming from a paganite area. 
She's idol worshiping. What is she doing coming to Jesus? Here's my question, brothers and sisters. How does she know? How does she know? Because look, look, this is the, yeah, this is in Matthew. Same story, different perspective. What does she say? She gets to him and she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Gentile, pagan, idol-worshiping woman, she knows who Jesus is. How does she know? How did she know? In Mark chapter three, there's a story of Jesus was in, he's, he's doing his ministry, he's doing the healing. And it says there was a large crowd around him. It says in verse eight, that there was a crowd. Some of them came from the region of Tyre and Sidon. There were people from Tyre and Sidon, made that journey down. They get healed. They come back home, right? You're sitting on your front porch in your little community having your tea or whatever, your coffee, I guess now. And here comes little Johnny walking down the street. And you're like, wait a minute. Is that the same Johnny who couldn't walk? How is he walking? Wait, wait. Sally's over here singing a song about some son of David. She couldn't talk three days ago. And you ask yourself, how'd that happen? Dude, there's some crazy guy down in Galilee, right? He's all these crazy miracles, but he healed her. He healed him. What happens? That story, what? It starts to spread and it starts to spread and it gets to this woman, right? Desperate with her little girl. Uncontrollably, her daughter shaking, speaking words that she didn't understand. None of the idols that she goes and visits can help her. Hinduism, Islam can't help her. And they hear a story about this man who can heal. You better bet if that's us, we're gone. And so she grabs her daughter and she makes, she makes this drink because she hears, wait a minute, that same guy is now in our hometown and she busts through the crowd. She goes with me and she cries out, right? So now we're videoing this, right? This is awesome. Man, Jesus, watch this. He's gonna do something awesome because you know, back then you had these big, you know, I guess nowadays you'd be like this, right? You know? And what does Jesus say to her? It's not good, right? For the, let the children be fed first. It's not really good to take this bread for kids and give it to the dogs. Dang, Jesus, right? Didn't you know in 2020, I'm be preaching and you call somebody a dog, I'll call a woman a dog, it's gonna get me in trouble, right? Couldn't Mark have just left that part out? What was he saying? And what do we do with this in scripture? dog. Not the, this is not the kind of dog, you know, you dress up for Halloween, it's all cute and you're trick-or-treating with. Weird as that is, you know, I'm just saying, right? This was these mangy street dogs, okay? Like the kind we see in the street and you just wish you could just hit them with your car, but it would do more damage to the car. Right? That's, that's what he called her. Why? Because that's what Jewish people called Gentiles back then. Right, Jewish and Gentile, they didn't get along, right? It's like, I like Duke and Tyler's Kentucky, okay? Thankfully for Jesus, we can interact in the same room. In Tennessee and well, whoever your rival is, I don't know anymore, right? You gotta be good at something, I guess. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that, sorry. Sorry, I know, I know, I know. Oh. Go blue, okay. Um, golly, I am so, yeah, I know. My wife just shook her head, gotta move on. They don't, they didn't get along. The Jewish people thought they were better than the Gentiles because they were, quote, the chosen ones of God. 
And so everyone else was a dog to them. And yet Jesus says this, but yet, right? He knew her heart. He already knew her heart. He already knew what she was thinking. He already knew that she was gonna believe. And so he's saying this, not calling her a dog, but he's referencing the fact that she understands her standing before him. The unclean, sinful woman before the son of the holy God. She knew that's who she was. And how do we know that? It's because her response when he said that, right? What did she say? Yes, Lord. Yes, you're right. I know my standing before you. But yet even the dogs get the crumbs off the table. And what was his response? Oh, woman, great is your faith. It is done as you have asked. And at that moment, her daughter was healed of everything that had tormented her for all those years because of her faith, not because she was a Gentile, not because she wasn't a Jew, not because she was a, of her race, not because of her social standing. She believed because of her faith in the one who can give salvation. She had heard about this Lord God, the Messiah, who has come to bring redemption to his people. But she's not the only one there, right? There was another crowd, right? We see that he returned from the region. He came up to this area in the Decapolis. We see in Matthew, it says that they actually gone up into a hill a mountainside, probably again, to get away, to rest. And a huge crowd came. And on that hill, on that mountain, the people that the capitalists brought, their outcasts, the sick, the lame, and Jesus healed them. Again, this is a Gentile area. How did they know? How did they know? Look back in Mark 5. There was a man who's, he'd been um, the demoniac, right? He had 2,000 evil spirits in him. And Jesus brought healing. Remember, sent those spirits into the pigs and the pigs jumped off and pastor made that joke. We won't rehash, you know, about the pigs dying. And then this man restored. He says, Jesus, take me with you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You go home to your friends and you tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. And where'd this guy go? Look right here. He went away and began to proclaim in where? The Decapolis, the 10 cities, telling them what God had done for him. Hey guys, remember me? The guy with the 2000 demons? This guy named Jesus healed me and he can do the same for you. And then Jesus comes into that area. Hey, guess what? You know, everybody's texting their friends. Jesus is here. Boom, they run in and they bring their sick. In fact, you'll see later in the next chapter, they get on this mountain and none of them have any food. Why? Because when they heard that Jesus was there, they saw their need. They didn't think to pack a lunch. They just immediately ran to the one who could save them. He did many miracles on that mountain. The outcast people. In fact, there's one specific man that was there. They identify him as a deaf and a mute man. So he had a speech impediment, he had difficulty speaking. In fact, that word used for this speech impediment it's only used here in the New Testament. In fact, in all of Scripture, we only find it one other time, and that's in the Greek translation in Isaiah 35. We'll come back there later. And so this man was healed, not by the touch of Jesus, but by the word he spoke. Be opened. The same word 
that created the universe, created mankind, the same word that called the storm. He spoke, and this man now could hear, and he could speak clearly. And what's the result of his speaking, the result of his healing, is that the name of the Lord was glorified on that day. They begin to proclaim. In fact, they were proclaiming so much that Jesus actually said, stop telling. But they kept telling. Why were they telling when Jesus said no? I don't know. Ask Pastor Steve, okay? Put that one on his plate. But I know what Jesus had planned, right? Because we see as he brought his disciples later into a, a, a gathering. He said this, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected. Rejected by the elders, rejected by the people. And he'd be killed and on the third day raised again. You see, the work of Jesus wasn't yet finished, right? He was not just some miracle worker out to make a name for himself as this great mighty guru who had some good teaching but could bring healing. Oh, no, 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 no. This Jesus, he came to bring salvation and redemption for sins. He came to die on the cross and take our place. He came to raise three days later and give new life. And so all of the work that he did was to give testimony to the fact that this is the one true God. And as a result of that, the people praised him. Now, there's a third group of people in this story that if you just read through Mark, you might miss it. This is why we go back to Matthew. Oh, wait, that's right, it's not there. So the 12 apostles, the disciples, were walking with Jesus on this journey. They had spent two years with Jesus, you know, at this point. Like, think about this, right? If we were going to put in the first two years into the VCR, right, and watch what had happened, what would we see? What would we see? We'd see, okay, uh, oh, yeah, this, he turned water into wine, the wedding. He had this conversation with Nicodemus there in John, uh, John 3, John three sixteen, right, comes out of that. There's also this story where he interacts with a Samaritan woman, and because of her, the entire village comes to Christ. We see him heal. Is that right? That's my southern heal, right? He heals the sick. He casts out demons. In fact, there's a paralyzed man that picked up his mat and walked out the door. The sea, the storm was calmed. Oh yeah, remember that time we were sent out two by two and we got to cast out demons just like Jesus did and preach his name. They'd even seen Jesus take some fish and some bread and feed 20,000 people. And then after that, They see him walk on water. These disciples had witnessed all of this. And yet, when this woman with her her daughter, who had an unclean spirit, when the woman comes and says what's happened and she's at Jesus' feet, what is the response of disciples? In Matthew 15, verse 23, it tells this, that they basically looked at this lady and said, pipe down, Jesus, Send her away because she's annoying us. This is us time, right? This is some guy bonding. This woman is screaming out. We can't hear what you have to say. These disciples, they said, send her away. How? It's like they just forgot. And you know, here's the most amazing thing about this. As I was reading through this passage, just... There's no written story. It's not recorded for us. So I'm, maybe I'm assuming that's fine. Nowhere in scripture right here is it recorded that Jesus rebuked them for their comment. 
Now, we know he rebukes them, right? Peter gets rebuked all the time, right? James and John rebuked for wanting to sit on the throne. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Jesus, we can die your death. No problem. Are you sure? All right. Jesus praying in the garden, and he walks over. His disciples are sleeping, right? He rebukes it. It's recorded. It's not here. And aren't we grateful for the patience of our Savior? Can you imagine if he rebuked us every time we made a mistake, right? We've had so many conversations about raising kids, right? How quick am I, the legalist, to point out every flaw that my children have and how slow am I to praise them when they actually obey, right? What is that, right? I'm, I love pointing out people's faults, you know? I sure don't like when mine are pointed out. And I am so grateful that Jesus doesn't do that to me that he is patient with me, that he walks me through his word like he does his disciples. He's teaching them. He's modeling for them, right? He just told them nothing is unclean. That Gentile, she's unclean, you know? But he's patient with them. He walks with them because he has a greater purpose for them just like he does for us. In Mark 1.17, Jesus says to this 12, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Right? He's preparing this group, preparing this group of 11, 12, 11 men. Through them, the whole world's gonna know. And so you know what? They made a mistake. I'm gonna have patience. We're gonna forgive this because Jesus still had work to do in their life because Jesus himself still had work to do. Right? What was that work? We know that just a few chapters later, Jesus dies on the cross, right? He dies on the cross and then they bury him in the ground and then three days later what happens right he raises from the dead proving showing he's not just some guru who does miracles he's the savior of the world he has power over death and he gives life and he forgives the sins and then as he as he's resurrected as he's with the disciples he gives them the great commission go and preach this gospel beginning from Jerusalem all the way to the ends of the earth All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, therefore, you go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. How? By baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. By teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And not only that, I, the risen Savior, will be with you always to the end of the earth. In fact, I'm going to send you a helper. His name's the Holy Spirit. And so this group of believers, the 120, gathered in the upper room. In Acts chapter 2, what happens? Jesus the Father, the Son, sin, the Spirit, it comes upon them. They're now filled with the Spirit. They're speaking and proclaiming the gospel so that all the Jews of every nation, they hear this message and they believe and they scatter and they go tell their friends. And then in Acts chapter 10, Peter, sitting on the rooftop, gets this vision, eat of the food in this, the sheet that comes down. And Peter says, no, no, I can't eat, that's unclean. No, Peter. Don't you remember Mark chapter seven? Everything I created is clean to eat, just like every person is clean and everyone is worthy to hear this gospel message. Oh yeah, I remember now. What does Peter do? Grabs his team. They go into this area, a guy named Cornelius, a Gentile. He and his household believe, baptize, Holy Spirit comes. The apostle Paul, he sees the bright light. He comes to Christ. He, the one who crucified, killed Christians is now the one who's proclaiming Christ. The gospel begins to spread all throughout 
the known world, Jews and Gentiles believing. And so why do I think Mark picked that weird word that we only find once in Isaiah 35? Listen for a minute to what it has to say here. This is Isaiah hundreds of years before, right? Maybe thousands, you asked Pastor Steve, right? Proclaiming this. And here's what he writes in 35. The eyes of the blind will be open. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. The redeemed will walk and the redeemed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee. What is happening in this Gentile world with Jesus as his disciples are watching and trying to learn and understand? The lame are walking. The blind are seeing. The the man who can't speak is singing. And the result of all this is praise to the God. Praise to the God who saved us. Brothers and sisters, we're really no different than these people. Whether it be the, the woman whether it be a crowd, unless you were actually born in Israel and you're 100% Jewish, you're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. We are unclean. Not just unclean. In fact, we are sinners before a holy God, born that way, right? And yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This gospel message is for you. It's for you. Whether you say, well, Will, there's no ways for me. I got too much in my life. I got to get right. Well, get in line. All of us do too. You don't know what I've done in my past. You don't know what I've done in mine. There's no way I'm not like them. My, I'm a different ethnicity. My skin's a different color. My income is different. We see here, Jesus doesn't care. We are all created in his image and this gospel message is for all and the call is for all to repent and believe. And I say today, if you have not, if you have not believed this message, you have not turned your life and followed Jesus, today is the day because salvation is for you. It is for you. In fact, even if you're like me and you're like, well, I grew up in the church. I did too. In fact, I can go to my parents' house and pull out this little book and inside it says, Cradle Roll Membership, First Baptist Church, 1979. Okay, that's mine. I've been in church since I was in the womb, people, okay? Didn't make me a Christian. Just like being a Jewish person didn't make them saved, being a, growing up in church doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. It's a big difference, a big difference. And so today, my pleading with you, this is not, if you are like, I don't know about this, this message is for you. But here's the reality, brothers and sisters. I'm gonna show you this map Fast forward through this, sorry. One more, here we go. Oh, we're getting there, sorry. Oops, too far. Right, okay, technology, gotta love it. There it is. I want you to look at this map. This is a map of the world, okay? This is produced by our mission agency, okay? Every dot on this map represents a unique people group around the world. What's a people group? Okay, well, it's a group of people, you know, who have a common ethnic identity and a common language, okay? And so you look at this map, right? You see different colors. So green, right, that's us, right? Churches on every corner, 
a large percentage of followers of Jesus. We have Bibles. We have everything we need to continue to push the gospel forth. Then you see the red, right? Red and orange and yellow. These are what we call unreached. This means very little gospel presence. Maybe even zero believers. Maybe even people that today, if you ask them, do you know Jesus? They'll say, who is that? And if you look at this map, right, there's, there's really one area that's really bright red. We call this area South Asia, the greatest concentration of losses in the world. 1,671 of these unique people groups that we call unreached. They don't have the gospel. They don't have enough believers to get the gospel to all their people because there's 700,000 people born every week. 700,000 people born every week. 700,000. Sheikh, Hatgar, Bantar, Bordo, Kohistani, Bania, Danuk, right? These are just some of the names. To you, they're names, but to us, they're faces, they're families. So, what do we do? What do we do with this? Because we know, right, in the book of Revelation, we see in chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, that there will be a great multitude from every people, every tribe, tongue, language, and nation worshiping the Father from heaven. We know in Revelation 19, it says there will be a great marriage feast, a feast, not crumbs from the table, but a feast that we as God's people get to sit with Jesus and eat together. Those crumbs that we just get to taste, right? Brothers, this is... What we experience today, that's just a crumb compared to what heaven's gonna be like. That's the joy that we have. And they don't have it yet. They don't have it yet. So what do we do in Murfreesboro, Tennessee? Glad you asked, Will. First thing you do is you get your phone out. Yeah, and we're gonna pray. So if you have your phone, okay, I'm giving you permission again, get it out. Go to your app store. I mean, it's your lunch, okay, right? Get your phone out, right? Go to the app store. I want you to, if you can, download this app. It's called Pray ASAP, P-R-A-Y-A-S-A-P. It's called Pray ASAP. It's red, cool little logo, okay? This is an app that we create, not we, our, our team created to try to raise awareness for how can we pray for lostness across South Asia. So every day, it's get a new one. You can notify you. I'm asking you to take 30 seconds every day and pray. And I didn't plan this, but if you get it downloaded, you look at it today, we're praying for more workers for the harvest. Ha, 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 Right? What does it say at the very end? Lord, we pray today that more laborers for the harvest will come. You guys are part of that harvest field. Right? We are praying not just for more workers for the harvest. We're praying for who from Calvary Baptist is going to be next to go. We want to see that happen. So first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna pray. The second thing we said first, right? The first point was this gospel message is for all to believe. The second point I would give you, and it's my last point, so you don't have to worry. The second point is this, the gospel message is for you to tell. This message is for you to proclaim, right? Think about it. Think about that lady Think about that crowd. What if people who are around Jesus and saw his miracles never went back home and told them what happened? If they had not told, her daughter might have been demon-possessed her entire life. If, they hadn't, if the 
the demoniac man with the 2,000 demons, if he hadn't gone back and told, then the crowds would never have come. How would they know? Someone, right, someone went back and told these Gentile people about Jesus. The disciples, after they get the Holy Spirit, they told the crowds what Jesus did. And brothers and sisters, if you believe, it's because someone told you. And every day, every day, every hour, our South Asian believers, our brothers and sisters are telling their Hindu, Buddhist, and Muslim neighbors. And so first thing we're going to do is we're going to pray for them using that, that app. But think about it's not just about praying, brothers. It's about proclaiming as well. You know, we, um, there's this thing called coronavirus, right? You know, it's causing havoc. And I definitely don't want to make light of it. I know that there are people in the room who have had friends affected, family members maybe passed away as a result of it. And so I don't mean this to be, you know, not to be crass, but you've seen the maps, right? They talk about how does coronavirus spread? How does any sickness spread? I have it, I don't have it, I don't think I have it, I don't have it, right? And I visit and it spreads to these two people and then they go and have lunch with you guys and then, you know, you get it and then it's this exponential spread, right? And so what do they tell us to do, right? Okay, wash your hands, keep your distance and wear one of these. I'm not here to debate mask wearing, you can do that on your own time, right? But we wear this mask and it's supposed to prevent the spread. And this thing has been so, man, divisive in this country. But let me tell you something else, brothers and sisters. The enemy has been, he's had us wearing a mask for a lot longer than just since March, right? We wear this mask to flatten the curve because we don't want to see coronavirus exponentially grow. And I'm telling you, when we take off our mask of fear and cowardness, not cowardness, sorry, I shouldn't say that. That's, that's me sometimes. I don't want to share, Lord. I'm afraid. I don't want to share, Lord. I'm tired. I don't want to share, Lord. That inconveniences me. I don't want to share, Lord. I don't want to do this. I'm just like those disciples. <sighs> Gosh, another one. But yet, as I look back in my life, I review my VHS tapes, I realize, man, I've, the Lord's been so patient with me. But this mask has been over our mouth, and it's time, brothers and sisters, that we take it off. We take that mask off because what happens when we share the gospel, right, is our brothers and sisters in South Asia share right now, 22 million people are following Jesus, okay? Do the math if you want to later, but just trust me. If every one of these believers in South Asia led two people to Christ every year, just two, by year four, there'd be 1.4 billion followers of Jesus. Exponential growth. And so we're teaching and training them how to do that. Just two. So here's my, what about for you guys? What would it look like to see exponential growth across your city and your county? Because you said, I'm taking this off. And now it's time for me to proclaim to others what Christ has done for me. He, Jesus didn't tell us to put on a, a mask. He gave us, and we see in Ephesians 6, he gave us the, the, the sandals this armor of God, which includes the sandals of our gospel message and a sword, which is the word of God. Not a mask, but a sword. To go and fight that battle, to, to, 
not flatten that curve, but to see that curve go crazy up of people proclaiming Jesus. And when we realize what he has done in our life, when we remember what he's done in our life, then we can go forth, right? And my God, my prayer is that you will go forth and tell others about what it is he's done so that they then can tell and then they can tell. And the result of our proclaiming is praise. And what we're gonna do today is as we close up here, as we finish our time together, we're gonna stand together. So you go ahead and stand with me, if you will. And we're gonna leave this map up on the screen and we're gonna take some time and we're gonna stand and we're gonna pray for these lost peoples. And my prayer is as you pray for them, that you can see their faces. You're praising, praying that God would work in a mighty way, raise up more laborers from the harvest field, maybe even send you. Answer that call of here am I, send me. And as you pray for the lostness there, we're praying that you will engage lostness here. And I want you guys to know I appreciate your time. Thank you guys for letting us be here with you and praying for us. And so we're gonna join together in prayer as we pray for the lost of South Asia specifically. So, Lord Jesus, we pray over these areas. Father, I pray for these red and yellow dots. Lord, they're people. Lord, they're people you created. Those that you have called. Those that you have died on the cross to save. And so, Lord, as we look at these dots, God, I pray and ask that your salvation would be known. Lord, everywhere the sun rises and sets among every people and every place, God, would your name be made great. And as a body of Christ, Lord, we join here today praying for the lostness in South Asia. We pray for the lostness here in Tennessee. Father, may the work that you've done in our hearts to transform us and that that send us out, Lord, to proclaim to those who need to hear your story. Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus.